Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Yes, it is, and welcome back. 602 if you'd like to weigh in this Open Lines Friday. I'd love to speak with you. love to hear from you. love to know what's on your mind. I should like to begin today's show with a story. A story. In a small chalet... On the mountain road from Verona to Innsbruck, two furtive tourists sat, pretending not to study each other. Outdoors, the great hills rose in peace that summer evening in 1912. Indoors, the two remaining patrons, both young, both dusty from the road, sat across the room from each other, each supping at his own small table. One was a robustly active figure, dark with a bull head. The other was thin and mouse-haired. It was somewhat surprising to see him take from his knapsack several sketches in watercolor. Upon this, the dark young traveler who'd been scribbling notes in a memorandum book decided to speak to the other one. You're a painter, I see. Yes, The insignificant one replied, his small eyes singularly hard and cold. You, sir, I take to be a writer? The dark young man brought his glass of red wine and his plate of cheese and hard sausage to the painter's table. You permit, he asked as he sat down. By profession, I'm a journalist. An editor, I would guess, the watercolor painter responded. I might guess that you've written editorials not relished by the authorities. Why do you guess that? Because, the painter said, when other guests were here, a shabby man slipped in and whispered to you. A small thing, but I observed it, though I am not a detective. Not a detective, the dark young man repeated. And yet perhaps dangerously observant. This suggests that possibly you do a little in conspiracies yourself. Why do you say that, the painter asked. Because of your appearance, you're precisely a person nobody would notice. But you have an uneasy yet coldly purposeful eye. And because behind us it's only a step over the mountain path to Switzerland, where political refugees are safe. Yes, no doubt, fortunately for you, the mouse-haired painter smiled. As for me, I'm in no trouble with the authorities. But I admit that I have certain ideas. I was sure you have, the journalist said. Ideas. With such men as you and me, that means ambitions. Socialism, of course. That would be a first step only toward what we really want. Am I right? Here in this lonely place, the painter smiled faintly. It is safe to admit that one has dazzling thoughts. You and I, strangers who met by chance, perceive that each in his own country seeks an extreme amount of success. That means power. That is what we really want. We are two odd men, 
Should we both perhaps be rightly thought insane? Greatness is easily mistaken for insanity, the swarthy young writer said. Greatness is the ability to reduce the most intricate facts to simple terms. For instance, take fighting. Success is obtained by putting your enemy off his guard, then striking him where he is weakest. In the back, if possible. War is as simple as that. Yes, and so is politics, the painter assented absently as he ate some of the fruit that formed his supper. Our mutual understanding of greatness helps to show that we are not lunatics, but only a simple matter of geography is needed to prove our sanity. Geography? The journalist didn't follow this thought. How so? Imagine a map, the painter said as he ate a grape. Put yourself in England, for instance, and put me and my dazzling ideas into that polyglot zoo, the United States of America. You and England can bellow attacks on the government till you wear out your larynx. And some people will agree with you, and some won't. And that's all that would happen. In America, I could do the same. Do you not agree? Certainly, the journalist said. In those countries, the people create their own governments. They make them what they please. And so the people really are the governments. They let anybody stand up and say what he thinks. If they believe he said something sensible, they vote to do what he suggests. If they think he is foolish, they vote no. Those countries are... Poor fields for such as you and me, because why conspire in a wine cellar to change laws that permit themselves to be changed openly? Exactly, the watercolor painter smiled, his faint, strange smile. Speech is the expression of thought and will. Therefore, freedom of speech means freedom of the people. If you prevent them from expressing their, expressing their will in speech... You have them enchained, an absolute monarchy. Of course, nowadays, he who changed the people, changed the people, is called a dictator. My friend, the dark young man exclaimed, we understand each other. But where men cannot speak out, they will whisper. You and I will have to talk out of the sides of our mouths until we have established the revolutions we contemplate. For a moment, suppose us successful. We are dictators, let us say. Then in our turn, do we permit? No freedom of speech? If we don't, men will talk out of the sides of their mouths against us, so they may overthrow us in turn. You see the problem. Oh, yes, my friend, like everything else, it is simple. In America or England, so long as governments actually exist by means of freedom of speech, you and I could not even get started. And when we shall have become masters of our own countries, we shall not be able to last a day unless we destroy freedom of speech? The answer is this, we do destroy it. But how? The writer asks. By means of a purge, says the watercolorist. Purge! The word seemed new to the journalist. What is that? Once more was seen the watercolor painter's peculiar icy smile. My friend, if I had a brother who talked against me either out of the side of his mouth or the front of it and lived to run away, he might have to leave his wife and children behind him. A purge is a form of carbolic acid that would include the wife and child. I see the dark youth looked admiringly but shivering slightly. On the one hand, then, there is freedom of speech. And on the other hand, this fatal acid you call a purge. The two cannot exist together in the same country. The people of the earth can take their choice, but you and I can succeed only where we persuade them to choose the purge. 
They would be brainless to make such a choice, though, utterly brainless. On the other hand, said the painter, many people can be talked into anything, even if it is terrible for themselves. I shall flatter all the millions of my own people into accepting me and the purge instead of freedom. He spoke with a confidence so monstrous, monstrous in one of his commonplace and ungifted appearances that the others stared aghast. At this moment, however, a shrill whistle was heard outside. Without another word, the dark young man rose, woke the landlord, paid his score, and departed hurriedly. The painter spoke to the landlord. That fellow seems to be some sort of shady character, rather a weak one. Do you know him? Yes and no, the landlord replied. He's in and out, mainly after dark. One meets all sorts of people in the Brenner Pass. You might run across him here again yourself some day. I don't know his whole name, but I have heard him called Benito, my dear young Herr Hitler. I didn't make that story up. It was once a famous story. It was published in 19... 19- 43, an interesting year in freedom of speech. It was published in 1943 in the Saturday Evening Post as the only description, the only accompanying words to what would become a very famous painting, a painting that has been discussed on this show. The title of the painting is called Freedom of Speech, drawn painted by Norman Rockwell. When Norman Rockwell had that painting published in the Saturday Evening Post in 1943, that story I just read you, verbatim, was all that accompanied that picture. And it was written by a famous novelist at the time, we don't read him anymore, named Booth Tarkington. Booth Tarkington's Freedom of Speech In 1943, the Saturday Evening Post commissioned Pulitzer Prize winner Booth Tarkington to craft this essay to accompany Norman Rockwell's freedom of speech painting. Does it give you some chills? It should. It should. You can tell a lot through fairy tale or through novel. You can tell a lot through history. You can tell a lot through myth. But we have a problem in this country. We have a big problem with it. And the problem of resonating with the stories we are told, the stories we tell, and the stories that should be told. I'll tell you what that problem is on the other side of this break. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I just got done reading you Booth Tarkington's essay in the Saturday Evening Post from 1943 accompanying Norman Rockwell's painting, Freedom of Speech. Why is this relevant in 2021? Well, it's relevant for the very reasons that people called in talking about this painting when it struck them that everything that used to be America, Americana, Norman Rockwell... 
freedom of speech, the New England Town Hall meeting, everything that used to be celebrated in this country, even in a year like 1943 where we're fighting Nazis, even then we could say here we will have freedom of speech in this country. We will say it here. And if you want to know how totalitarianism begins, Tarkington and Rockwell were pointing out, it begins with censorship. It begins with stopping the very thing Norman Rockwell was painting. That's the point of this story. That's the point of this story. When Norman Rockwell painted it, when Tarkington wrote that, Hitler and Mussolini were in their full-blown power. We were fighting a war against them. This is how Rockwell thought it started, by squelching speech. This is how Tarkington thought it started, by squelching speech. This is how most educated and uneducated people thought it started, by squelching speech. I said in the last segment, this all happened in this very interesting year of 1943, interesting year for freedom of speech. For that's the very same year that Robert Jackson of the Supreme Court wrote his famous opinion in the Barnett decision that you hear me quote ad nauseum. I quoted ad nauseum because I think it's important we remember it infinitely. Infinitely. What was it he said? He said, those who begin coercive elimination of dissent will soon find themselves eliminating dissenters. Enforced unification of consent maintains only the unanimity of the graveyard. So we didn't do that here. We didn't suppress speech here, even at the height of a war. Fighting totalitarianism. We didn't do that here. We're not fighting that kind of war now. Interesting that while we're not fighting any kind of war like that right now, interesting that that's when and where the greatest incursions into free speech come. When you have a U.S. Attorney General threatening to sick the FBI on people doing nothing more than what that man in the Norman Rockwell painting is doing. That is the benchmark of democracy. Freedom of speech, town hall meeting, school board meeting, civic meeting. That's the meaning of it. Now you understand why they're trying to take it away. As Benjamin Cardozo put it, of the freedom of speech, one may say that it is the matrix, the indispensable condition of nearly every other form of freedom. And that's why the fictional, not so fictional Hitler here in Rockwell and Tarkington's eyes could say, speech is the expression of thought and will. Therefore, freedom of speech means freedom of the people, but if you prevent them from expressing their will in their speech, you have them enchained. And then the only next step to secure the enchainment is by means of purge, by means of purge.
and not just of the speaker, but of the families around them, so that it can be complete, so that it can be total, and hence the word totalitarian. Hence you get the word totalitarian, because it covers everything. What I wouldn't give for a little 1943 right now and an understanding of what's going on with freedom of speech in this country, whether it's parents going to their school boards, whether it's students typing on their laptops at a university or bringing in a speaker for a different point of view, or, quite frankly, whether it's about you discussing your own autonomy and the freedom you think you should have. All of these things can get you deplatformed. All of these things can get you socially purged. And now we have come to learn this week they can also have the FBI come after you for showing up and saying the wrong thing that some federal official will call incitement. Now, Liebson, you're being paranoid, some might say. Am I? Am I? We had something close to about 700 people. Some storming, some walking in, but illegally entering the United States Capitol on January 6th. Some doing exceedingly reckless things. Causing danger, breaking the law. We are told that they were guilty, as Donald Trump was guilty, of inciting a riot, of incitement, of seditious overthrow of the government. That's what we were told. That's what we are still being told. Some of those people are still in jail. Not a one of them, not a one of them, was charged with seditious conspiracy or incitement. Not a one. So you ask if I should be paranoid or not about sicking or threatening to sick the FBI on nothing more than parents speaking loudly at school board meetings without engaging in incitement. You have a pretty good idea as to why once upon a time people cherished the kinds of things that Benjamin Cardozo wrote, that freedom of speech is the matrix and the indispensable condition of every other form of freedom. And that's why you have some people saying, you know what? Freedom may not be so important right now. We'll talk about how a totalitarian says that when we come back. Friday's kind of a Jimmy Buffett song day, isn't it? Is it, is it Friday? It's a Friday uh, musician, isn't he, Jimmy Buffett? Friday and a Saturday night, Livingston Saturday night.
Any day of the week is good for Jimmy Buffett. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Do a shout-out to some uh, traveling friends. Wish, wish them a safe trip. That would be uh, James and Kendall and uh, their parents, of course, J&T. Um, let me talk for a moment now on how you get totalitarianism. Let me talk to you for a moment about how you get the eradication of democracy through the elimination of freedom of speech. Connecting two things here for a moment. Joe Biden said this yesterday in, um, where was he? He was in Kentucky, wasn't he? No, my bad. Elk Grove, Illinois. Elk Grove, Illinois. This is Joe Biden yesterday at Elk Grove, Illinois. We still had more than a quarter of the people in the United States who were eligible for vaccinations but didn't get the shot. And we know there is no other way to beat the pandemic than to get the vast majority of Americans vaccinated. It's as simple as that. And to, and to, to spread to our children, to spread throughout society, in our hospitals, or the risk of other variants, it's all dangerous and obvious, but we're still not there. We have to beat this thing. So while I didn't race uh, to do it right away, that's why I've had to move toward requirements that everyone get vaccinated where I had the authority to do that. That wasn't my first instinct. My administration is now requiring federal workers to be vaccinated. We've also required federal contractors to be vaccinated. If you have a contract with the federal government working for the federal government, you have to be vaccinated. We're requiring active duty military to be vaccinated. We're making sure healthcare workers are vaccinated because if you seek care at a healthcare facility, you should have the certainty that the people providing that care are protected from COVID and cannot spread it to you. Lie. That is a massive lie. And if his name were Donald Trump, every front page headline would say President contradicts CDC. Every one of them. I am on the CDC website now. Americans should have the confidence that when they go to the hospital, their health care workers will be vaccinated so that they can't spread the disease and further harm people. Lie. I am at the CDC website right now. CDC.gov slash coronavirus slash 2019 and cove slash variant slash delta variant dot html not that you can write it down but i always like to do that when i'm on air so people know i'm not making anything up here i'm not let me quote directly from the cdc people in this is in quotes people with the delta variant including fully vaccinated people can transmit the virus to others. That's buried in a point that's got a bold name to it. Let me give you the next bold bullet point, though. Here's the next bold bullet point on the CDC website. Quote, fully vaccinated people with Delta variant breakthrough infections can spread the virus to others. Period. Close quote. President contradicting science, president contradicting his own CDC. I don't know how many debates I got in with people during the election season of last year. 
them telling me that the president is contradicting his health and science advisors all the time. Is he? Was he? Or is Joe Biden? Is it wrong to expect the same standard? This is part and parcel. Part and parcel of what we pointed out just yesterday. Or two days ago, I'm sorry. Part and parcel of what we pointed out just two days ago. Where we learned that there have been more COVID deaths or deaths with and from COVID this year, so far, in October, than all of last year. And when that number was a lot less than it is now, and when that number was a lot less than what this year's numbers brought, when that number was in the 170,000s, Joe Biden said in a debate, quote, anyone responsible for that many deaths should not be president. Okay. What do you do when the deaths are double that number when he said that? What do you do when it was on his watch? I haven't connected it to the totalitarianism part yet. Stay tuned. I will. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Bill, would you mind doing me Joe Biden, giving me Joe Biden one more, one more time from, from, from his speech yesterday? We're making sure health care workers are vaccinated because if you seek care at a health care facility, you should have the certainty that the people providing that care are protected from COVID and cannot spread it to you. Certainty, mind you, certainty. Now, his CDC says in bold, quote, fully vaccinated people with Delta variant breakthrough infections can spread the virus to others. There are 17,000 people in the hospital to this day fully vaccinated with COVID to this day, this moment. Joe Biden said that yesterday. They didn't get there this morning. Either he's being fed lies or he's telling lies. Or he's too stupid to know the difference. That's the problem when you tell too many lies. You will no longer recognize the truth at all. Why does this matter? Why, why, why is this a connection to totalitarianism? Well, at the school board meetings... The Merrick Garland memo was mostly about parents rising up to complain about and critique critical race theory being taught to their children, racism being taught to their children, racialism being taught to their children. Some of it was about COVID. Some of it was. Mostly it was about the CRT, parents angry about CRT. But that's only what's going on on the one hand. Because on the other hand, Bill, can you get this montage ready? On the other hand, this is what's going on in America. No one likes to mandate people to do things that they may not want to do. But sometimes for the greater good of society, 
You have to do that. You've got to start telling people, if you don't get vaccinated, you can't come into this office or this place of business. We really may- need to make it clear that there are privileges associated with being an American, that if you wish to have these privileges, you need to get vaccinated. Travel and having the right to travel interstate, it's not a constitutional right as far as, I'm, as, far as I know. Right. Getting stop, vaccinated stop. Is as not- far as uh, her truth, her truth, this law professor on MSNBC, her truth is that the right to travel is not a constitutional right. We'll come back to a lot of that point in a moment, but if you're just curious, Google Supreme Court, constitutional right, freedom to travel. Of course it is, unless you're dealing with this abstruse law professor's truth. Her truth is not what's in Supreme Court constitutional Authority, precedent. Of course the right to travel is a right. Of course it is. Otherwise, kidnapping wouldn't be against the law. I'm being honest. Look up the elements of kidnapping. Bill, can you continue with the uh, montage? I know. Getting vaccinated is not a personal choice. It's not. It's something that we do for the community. I think that he should approach this with an iron fist. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't come to work. People aren't then going to threaten to go to another workplace. If every workplace has that same requirement, that's a good thing. So I don't think it's overreach. I think this is what's needed in the middle of a pandemic. And in fact, I think the Biden administration, if anything, could have gone even further. And those governors that stand in the way, I think it was very clear from the president's tone today, that uh, he will run over them. If you don't get vaccinated, you can't come into this gym. Screw your freedom, because with freedom comes obligations and, uh, and, and responsibilities. That's a former your- governor of California telling you to go to H with your freedom. Go ahead. Our personal choice ends where my right not to get killed by an infectious disease begins. So we have these collective actions for the good of the community. Do you realize the how of- many lies are being compounded here? When you have hospitalizations, people who are vaccinated, you have deaths, people who are fully vaccinated, and yet you say your right stops when my life is affected and thus you need to be vaccinated, has nothing to do with it. You getting vaccinated has nothing to do, zero to do, with what someone else is doing. The CDC knows that. Occasionally, they even print it. Slightly less occasionally, the newspapers do. Almost never does Joe Biden. In fact, I don't have a quote of his and cannot find it, saying, yes, of course, vaccination is good to kind of mitigate or is very good at helping mitigate any Symptoms you may have, but it doesn't protect the other guy. His own CDC reports show that. His own CDC MMRs show that. So now you put all that together. I don't like to use the phrase Arnold Schwarzenegger used, but it's important and it's impactful. The heck with your freedom is the best I can do right now. The heck with your freedom. 
Let that be. Let that be the epigraph, if not epitaph, of our age. The heck with your freedom. You can use Arnold's word if you want. Because then we get this. Give me Joe Biden number two from the same speech in Illinois yesterday. When you see headlines and reports of mass firings and hundreds of people losing their jobs, look at the bigger story. I've spoken with Scott Kirby, CEO of United Airlines. Look at the bigger story. When you see people losing their jobs, look at the bigger story. Losing a job is okay. Losing a job is okay for Joe Biden. So long as you're unvaccinated. Look at the bigger good. Look at the greater good. What is the greater good than someone's own decisions about their personal health and the ability to take home a paycheck? Have we not gone through a year enough already of people being forced out of work? Albany Med has suspended 204 of its employees who refused to comply with their vaccination requirements. Christian Care, 150 employees relieved of duty. Erie County Medical Center, 400 hospital staff unvaccinated leaving work. Henry Ford Health System, 400 employees voluntarily resigned. Houston Methodist, 153. Indiana University Health, 125. Innova Health, 89. Kaiser Permanente, 2200. I can go on and on and on, but riddle me this. Would you rather go to a hospital where you might be taken care of by someone without a vaccine, or would you rather go to a hospital where there's no one to take care of you? Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, Open Line Friday, 602-508-0960. We'll, um, if you're on hold, uh, bear with me. I'll I'll get to the calls and I'll get to the lines in just a moment, but there's room for more if you want to call in. So Joe Biden yesterday is saying it's for those who are worried about losing their job, there is a greater good. It's a greater good. Well, you know, I spent the earlier part of this this hour asking if the media would just hold Joe Biden to his own standards of what he was condemning Donald Trump for. Doesn't deserve to be president after overseeing at the time what was 170,000 deaths. Joe Biden has now presided over 300,000. On his campaign website, JoeBiden.com, the the Biden-Harris campaign website, it's kind of interesting what you find when you go and see what did he promise on COVID? What was his COVID plan? He had one, talked a lot about it, and it was supposed to distinguish him from Donald Trump. I'm on the page now. 
Here's a bold headline. Ensure that public health decisions are made by public health professionals professionals and not politicians. Ensure that public health decisions are made by public health professionals and not politicians. And officials engaged in the response, not fearing retribution for performing their jobs. Think being fired or forced to be laid off or choose between a vaccine and your job is retribution or disparagement? Well, if you do, mind you, they may change the definitions of those words, just as they changed the definition of the word vaccine overnight, in the dark of night, on the CDC website. Just above the COVID-19 plan that Joe Biden writes about or his team writes about on his website at JoeBiden.com, just above the part that says ensure that public health decisions are made by public health professionals and not politicians and officials engaged in the response do not fear retribution, just above that, the bold headline is stop the political theater and willful misinformation that has heightened confusion and discrimination. I think there was more confusion and discrimination with regard to things covid in September, October, November of last year, or now? Or now? How many things have been said by this administration and its spokespeople about what masks and vaccines can do? If you kept track, you'd still have to go to the hospital because you'd have whiplash. Open Lines Friday. We'll get to the calls when we come back. 602 508 